go. No, you go. Okay, I'm Haley. And I'm Syra. We love learning. We love discovering. And we love talking. Are we experts on literally everything? Absolutely not. But how will we learn if we never start the conversation? So, we hope you'll join us for this literal journey. Hey everyone, we thank you for joining us again for part two of our episode, Dude Looks Like a Lady, colon. That's because she literally is that. The idea behind these two episodes is to inform about some women who were a crucial part of inventions, which most of us know about. However, they received little or no credit. Our previous episode was also our first podcast episode ever. And it featured Hetty Lamar and Rosalind Franklin. If you haven't gotten a chance to listen, we definitely would encourage listening. They were both worth learning about. And today's episode will feature two more fascinating women. Here to kick us off with the first lovely lady of STEM is my co-host and best pal, Haley. Thank you. Thank you so much, Syrah. It's an honor to be here. Mm. Um, yeah, I am going to kick it off with the first lady in STEM for today. So my lady is maybe a little bit similar, not in the types of inventions, but a little bit similar in how she felt to Hedy Lamar, which I talked about in episode one. This girl's name is Mary Anderson. Mary Anderson, uh, just a little bit about her. She... Well, I guess not a little bit about her, a lot of bit about her. She invented the windshield wiper. <laughs> I use those all the time. Everyone does, right? Everyone does. Mm-hmm. Um, no, I definitely was excited to talk about Mary Anderson because I did think it was cool to talk about someone that invented the windshield wiper because it is kind of like a small thing that you don't really think about on a day-to-day basis, but man, has it made an impact in driving. <laughs> People can actually drive <laughs> safely now. <laughs> I love that. I love driving uh, yeah. safely. Yeah. So yeah, a little bit about her. Um, Mary Anderson was born on February 19th, uh, which is pretty close to my birthday, by the way, um, in 1866. And she did some other, a bunch of different things before she did invent the windshield wiper, she definitely the one of the biggest things she did was work on a cattle ranch in a vineyard in California. All right, so she lived in California, and then she in nineteen in eighteen ninety eight, um, she and the rest of her family um, lit went to live with her ailing aunt in Fairmount Apartments. Her aunt, for some reason, bought an enormous trunk um with mary and they open it up to find a collection of gold and jewelry and this was super cool this helped mary live comfortably with her family they pretty much had everything they needed and i really wanted to like kind of set that up because the windshield wiper for her wasn't just a what it seems to be is not just something that is like oh i need to make money for my family this girl, she already did have money, technically. And so when her aunt died, she inherited all of that money. And she chose to, to 
basically pick up from California and go all the way to New York City. You went to, to New York in the first place? Um, it doesn't really say the article I found, but I'm, I'm honestly just guessing that she wanted a new change of pace. She had the money and I think she, I, I, it really does say she just took a trip there. She just wanted to, you know, go somewhere. I mean, you're from New York. Why wouldn't anyone want to go there? You know, <laughs> um, I don't want to bash New York. On... <laughs> I know a lot of people are going to be listening to this podcast. So yeah, yeah, no, for sure. I love New York. I love it. I love it too, but we are both from snowy, snowy areas, yeah. uh, which, you know, is crazy to me. I like the snow sometimes, but anyways, I digress. <laughs> I digress. Different podcast. Different podcast. Different podcast. <laughs> That's our slogan. <laughs> okay, so she was in New York City and it was a super snowy day and she took a ride on a streetcar similar to a trolley uh, that you would see in New York City. And she noticed that these, the driver of the streetcar was like looking outside the windows, trying to like see where he was going. And this is like a big streetcar. So that really worries me about how people were driving before (laughs) the windshield wiper was invented. (laughs) Can you imagine? Like, can you literally imagine that? Oh my gosh. Anyways, so... She's looking at this from the back of the streetcar going like, well, this is nuts. Well, can we, can we literally actually do something about this? So she actually thinks of, of an invention of the windshield wiper and she designs it to be something that like a windshield wiper works where it cleans off the snow in front and is controlled um, from the inside of the driver's seat. So super cool. This was 1903 when she went to New York City and in June of 1903, She went and got a patent. And actually, to put this in context, Henry Ford assembled his first car in July of 1903. So one month after she had invented that. Isn't that cool? Yes. Like, I know, like, vehicles were, like, kind of, you know, starting and already a thing before Henry Ford. But, like, it wasn't booming. Cars started booming in, like, 1920s fully. And to me, it's really surprising. I feel like I need to see a full picture, like things that are already in motion, fully working before I can approve upon something. She was improving upon something that wasn't even as popular as it is today. Right, right. So I think very that's practical, cool. very practical brained lady, obviously. Exactly, exactly. So yeah, so she has this awesome invention, takes it around to people. She even took it up to Canada. <laughs> because they get even more snow up there um (laughs) and everyone denied her no one took her up on her idea and you want to know probably why oh my gosh is it because she was i don't even want to say it i don't i don't want to say it either (laughs) but you know what i think i think think she was a woman oh no a woman yeah yeah Uh, that makes sense yeah uh, oh wait <laughs> wait wait a second <laughs> different, different, different podcast <laughs> but yeah so yeah so she had a patent and no one took her idea and I don't yeah probably was literally because she was a woman isn't that like just make you so mad um yeah but that's what we're here to do right we're here to inform and give credit and expose exactly yeah, so they turn her down. We're exposing all of these men in these car industries. And you know what they literally said? They said it was 
a perceived lack of demand. A perceived lack of demand? Yeah, like people were like, no, we probably don't need to be safe while we were driving. Like we, mm. we, can, we can just stick with sticking our heads out of windows. Can you just picture that too, though, Haley? There was this one time I was coming um, west on 17, back home mm-hmm. from the city, actually, and I was with my dad, and the it was like two or three winters ago, and the weather was so bad. We had freezing rain, and my it was so Ooh. cold. My windshield wipers were sticking to my windshield, and... Um, I think I was out of fluid is probably why that was happening. Oh, okay. So I did have to stick my head out of the window at one point. And I eventually ended up pulling over and cleaning off my windshield and kind of starting over. Mm-hmm. But picture that. That oh. people would have yeah. rather, like, your head is freezing. <laughs> it's cold. <laughs> then on your body, because I'm assuming, I don't know what the heat situation in a car was, but I'm assuming maybe they at least had windows. Um, yeah, yeah. Um, and then, yeah, and then if it if it is currently snowing, then your head's getting wet and cold, and mm-hmm. you're going you're you're traveling. So then there's the wind from the travel as well. Exactly. And we'll think about it too. Like she she was riding a streetcar. So now think about it. Like you're driving a bus. Because I know you've driven buses. <laughs> think about I, think I about trying to operate a bus in those conditions too without windshield wipers yeah that is crazy that is crazy crazy. yeah but yeah so anyway so awesome idea so but so everyone denied her this is a classic case of a woman getting discouraged um and she got so discouraged that she just she know she stopped pushing it she stopped pushing her idea Mm -hmm. she had this patent for 17 years and this is actually what leads up to 1920 once her patent expired, guess what she started popping up left and right? What literally happened? That's right. They took her idea. She started seeing windshield wipers on every car. Oh. So, so yeah. So, and I guess in this scenario, I don't have, like, a specific man who stole the idea. Definitely was a man, though. But it was definitely a man. <laughs> Yeah, and it's just, it goes to show, you know, that, I don't know, that, like, especially since she was so discouraged about it, that she literally just stopped pushing it because she was like, you know, I've spent 17 years on this, and I thought it was a good idea, but, like, I don't know, I feel like I would just be so broken after something, like, I know is a needed thing. Right. But yeah, anyways, so um, moving on to like her, you know, legacy, she, it it took her, it it took people, let's see, 91 years, no more, like 100 years for her to get credit for any of this. She was inducted into the National Inventors Hall of Fame in 2011. Wow, that's literally yesterday. Yeah. yeah. And so I brought up earlier, like, the, you know, she had money. She had the money. So she, ne- mm-hmm. she never needed money, but she was never compensated for, for any of this, of course. That's, that's Mary Anderson's story. Very annoying. Sarah, I want to ask you, like, what do you think? How would you feel if 
you created something that no one liked and then you were still alive when they when that thing you created actually started coming about Ooh. i'm trying to think of like if there are even comparable smaller scale comparable situations where like yeah. maybe with my idea and then someone mm. who i know um i had this friend rodney and we had a couple classes together actually rodney and i are still friends um which why i can't even tell you um but <laughs> we, we had a, a few classes together when i was in the city and whenever we hung out things like that I would say jokes and then Rodney would hear my jokes and then laugh and then say them out loud mm-hmm. in the group. Hate that. He would laugh. <laughs> so people thought Rodney was super funny, which he is. <laughs> he stole my jokes. He. Wow. Um, no, and you got I... to see that. <laughs> and I, I live to see that. You I live to see the day. I literally, it was the day. It currently was the day that I, invented the yeah. joke it currently was that yeah so, yep um, 1903 so, june of 1903 <laughs> a fine year i didn't i don't think i don't think i would know what to do i and yeah. i'm trying to think i'm trying to think oh i wouldn't give up but i think i think i would i think it is yeah. easy to get discouraged and feel like i don't know you, you question yourself mm-hmm. you feel like well maybe maybe it is a bad idea maybe i think lately also i've been trying to think of things like this like what invention can i make mm-hmm. um that maybe would help people or would make life easier for people which i guess is just a different way to say help people and every time i think of something i'm like oh this is this probably already exists or oh no one's gonna no one's gonna want this yeah. and so why is that where my mind goes as a default why is that it's probably because you're a woman. Oh, I know. <laughs> no, I actually, well, I think there's a little bit of s- serious in that though, because I think, I think that's kind of like the stigma, you know, that like we, like, I know there's been a lot of improvements in women in this industry of inventing things, but I think that discouragement, I, I know for me, discouragement has hit me super, super hard through working. Do you have an example of that? You think I, you I, yeah, no, I definitely do. I helped. It was my, it was my very first set of co-op terms through my school, and long story short, I worked on this project like my first couple of terms, and I thought it was like a, a really great project. I like I thought I could save my company some money. Mm-hmm. And I was very discouraged by it because they wouldn't let me present it myself. So I worked on this project and they, and, and it was something that they did want to present. And they kept on telling me that my project was like, no, I don't think we can save money here. We've done this a million times. We, we, we we've looked over and over and over and and I was like no guys like we you guys like we're wasting so much money in this one sort of process 
And then we, I finally, finally pushed it through. And then the, um, one of my coworkers, my, my boss, my male boss would go to my male coworker and talk about it specifically with him. And then he got to do the presentation and I had to literally pipe up in the presentation and interject. I felt like an idiot because I felt like I was being bossy or like intruding on the conversation, but I had to, in order to get my point across. But like, that was like the hugest amount of courage I would have had had to take. And it shouldn't have been that way in the first place. You know, I was like so discouraged by everything already. I kind of just like wanted to give up. Like I was just like, oh, well, fine. If it's his project, then I guess I'll just do something else, you know? So that is so discouraging. And again, I think I mentioned in the first episode, um, Debbie Sterling, and I would love to talk more about her at some point in our podcasts. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I think in the STEM field, especially, I mean, forget women in general, that's that's a kettle of fish we can't even tackle. Mm-hmm. And I mean, we couldn't tackle injustices in for women in the STEM field. But just talking about that, I think that's such a common thing where um, you, you almost like aren't allowed to have a good idea. Yeah, there's, there's no way you possibly could have a good idea. And then finally, when someone is convinced, then it's not at least the way it seems to me, they assume that people won't take it seriously if it didn't come from a man. And so maybe that's mm-hmm. what your boss's thought process was. Um, well, if Haley goes up there and she talks about this, then are people going to take her seriously because she she is a young lady? And maybe yeah. that's what his was. Yeah, and, and I was, I, I think I was 18 at the time, or maybe 19. Um. Mm-hmm. But still, it is a crazy thing. Um, I've definitely, I've definitely gained a lot of confidence, um, and I'm sure you have too throughout throughout working and throughout experience. But it it, it was rocky starting out as a woman in engineering. Not gonna lie. Yeah, I'm actually I'm very lucky. I've had two bosses in my two years at the place where I work, and mm-hmm. they have both been super encouraging and a situation that does come to my mind um that I'm sure you will recall is I had um someone an employee asked me to take on a project at work for them um because they needed someone on the engineering team to carry out this process because they were personally not on the engineering team Mm -hmm. and they said to me they had asked another man on the engineering team to carry out this process and he kind of acted like it was beneath his time he didn't follow up he didn't pursue it in any way so when i came on the scene and he asked me to do it i was happy to do it i took the project right away i worked on it um we we were successful in our implementation of the thing that we designed to make the changes that he wanted to make but once the the man from the engineering group found out that I was working on the project, he all of a sudden acted like it was his main priority. And then he was like going into my cubicle and looking at things on my desk and asking people questions about my project because it was my project at this point. And luckily I was able to go to my boss and say, hey, like, what do you think about the situation do you think these things are okay 
and my boss was encouraging and did allow me to continue to be the leader of the project and to, to continue to take the credit that I was taking for it. Yeah, so, I do remember this story. That I am glad that your boss was able to, although man, <laughs> no, although is, man, and we'll definitely talk in podcasts later on about how how men can help <laughs> and have, um, to. have, and have to. to actually yeah no I think that's actually way better to say that they have to help they have to be there for women to encourage them because make to make up for all of the discouragement that women have faced yeah I think that's a great example right and oh I was reading just to, to caveat a little bit I was reading that Wikipedia, love Wikipedia. Mm-hmm. I remember when I was in elementary school, in middle school, maybe even high school, we were not allowed to cite Wikipedia as a source. And I Ugh, me neither. The biggest blasphemy ever. <laughs> <laughs> According to Wikipedia, it says that in 1922, Cadillac became the first manufacturer to adapt the windshield wiper oh. as standard equipment. So again, yeah, I think um, interesting. I like how yeah. you're, you know, researching on podcast time. I need to do that. <laughs> I just, I, I really proud of you. Find this stuff very interesting. And like I said yeah. in our previous meeting, I didn't think I didn't approach this from a, the perspective of I'm going to be able to learn too, and I'm going to be able to benefit. Yeah, from this. that was definitely a mistake on my part because I have learned and benefited from this already. So yeah, so it doesn't say exactly who okay the culprit was but i'm wow. sure it was a group of cul- culprits i i would guess it was a team of yeah. culprits. that's so interesting and and yeah actually after we report uh if there's anything we miss too we will upload information to our podcast document um little snippets maybe that we you know maybe missed to talk about for our podcast document so you can check that out after you listen to our episode sarah let's talk about your second woman in our two-part podcast first episode, second episode thingy. Dude looks like a lady. Dude this, looks, well, Dude looks like a lady. <laughs> colon. Um, I forget what came after the colon. That's because. Uh, oh, that's because that dude is actually, literally actually a woman. Yeah. Yeah. So. But anyways, yeah, let's kick it off. Um, who, who's who's your gal? Who's your gal? My, so, my next girl is Xian Xiong Wu, and she was born near Shanghai, China, in 1912, and she came to the, the United States in about 1936. And so, this is another one of those ones that they're interesting, or she's interesting, uh, just like Mary Anderson or Hedy Lamarr. Actually, because Mary, like you mentioned, had the riches and (laughs) Hetty had the beauty and the fame and the money as well, I'm guessing. And Xian Xiang, she had quite a few accomplishments on her own before the issue, the incident that we're going to be talking about. And so, so sometimes she's actually referred to as the first lady of physics and the queen of nuclear research. How would you like to be known as the queen of nuclear research? (laughs) Maybe my boyfriend would love me. <laughs> uh, he does. He. Do- I think he does love me. So. You think he does? Okay. He just loves nuclear. And if I was the queen of nuclear, <laughs> he would love me. Okay. 
yeah. But yeah. No, that seriously is um, really cool. That is really cool. <laughs> so she was actually also the first female instructor at Princeton University. So she was kind of like making strides wherever she went. Even in China, um, she went to one of the most prestigious schools in China and then comes here and then makes waves here as well. So she joined the Manhattan Project at Columbia University. And this is cool because she sort of helped develop the process for separating uranium metal into U-235 and U-238 isotopes by gaseous diffusion. So this apparently produced, I know, I don't know how you do it, but it sounds cool. And for Uh, some reason, I actually do do know what you... What do you know about what do you know about it? Uh, <laughs> I just took a class, I guess, and we had to um do a calculation based on the amount of U two thirty five you had to how much energy is produced using using a certain formula and accounting for energy loss. So, that's actually that sounds kinda like what they got involved with because what she what she ended up being able to to help do is the the gaseous diffusion helped produce large quantities of uranium as fuel for atomic bombs so we have our third world war ii girl helping with world war ii yeah so we have a lot of wait because we had hetty right yep yep hetty world war ii right and then we had um so i guess mary was the only one we had hetty we had uh Xiong, and then we had Rosalind wow. Franklin and you know what's so cool about that is that they were all different types of engineers not so, only that Haley they were from insane. three different parts of the world because I believe another good point here. another good point yep yep and Rosalind Franklin was English and then we have uh Xiong. wow that is really cool <laughs> look at us picking the <laughs> we're so good we didn't, we didn't <laughs> even do that on purpose we I didn't think, even do it I think that represents the diversity that the podcast hosts aka you and me Mm -hmm. share anyway i hope so 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 at some point in xian xiang wu's life she's recruited by these two guys and i'm gonna try very hard to pronounce their names we have sung dao li Mm -hmm. chen ning yang those are their names and they are theoretical physicists so apparently in the physics community at the time, there's something called the law of conservation of parity, and it works with strong interactions, and they didn't know if it would work for weak interactions. And so according to my friend Wikipedia, if P conservation, aka parity, were true, a mirrored version of the world where left is right and right is left would behave as the mirror image of the current world. Haley, why Okay. Why were they even talking about this? Sorry, I'm trying to process <laughs> what you just said. So, okay, why okay. Why are they talking about this? No, I think so I think this has a lot to do um oh, and I almost don't want to say anything cuz I in the fear that I'll sound like an idiot. Um Mm-hmm. I, I think we've probably already crossed that bridge at this point. I, I did pull up Stephen Hawking's a briefer a brief history of time, and I did find that he does talk about these types of things. Mm-hmm. Um 
And I think it has a lot to do with anti-matter. So anti-neutrons. So I think it's kind of like, they, they kind of want to see like our real world versus the anti-world. So like, the, even like, what does this even mean? <laughs> Why? Are, who's laying awake at night? What physicist <laughs> drugs are they doing that they this are like... Drug. Okay, so... Okay, but anyways, track, yeah, yeah, keep going, keep, keep going. So if P conservation is violated, then it would be possible to distinguish between a mirrored version of the world and the mirror image of the current world. Is the P stand for parity? Yes. Okay, all right, just wanting to clarify. So the experiment establishes, Wu's experiment establishes, that the conservation of parity is violated by the weak interaction, okay. providing a way to operationally define left and right without reference to the human body. So clearly I am not an expert on this subject, but Wu's experiments used radioactive cobalt at a near absolute zero temperatures, and they proved that identical nuclear particles do not always behave the same. So, okay. this results in Li and Yang receiving the 1957 Nobel Prize in Physics for their theory, but we have Xian Xiang's work that was never acknowledged. So, um, okay, so they had just the theory, and they, but they didn't necessarily prove it. So they recruited her as part of this. Oh, um, okay, okay. To disprove it or to, to check it out. Mm-hmm. she ends up disproving it they end up winning oh. the nobel prize so she was not acknowledged and then in 1978 she wins the wolf prize and then they kind of give her a little bit more credit then that's so that's so crazy <laughs> i'm like yeah. also like looking about looking at like how stephen hawking explains it he uh-huh. like says like um they had the theory the same year a colleague and then they bring up Xiang um proved the prediction correct and then how she did it and then he just says the following year Li and Yang received the Nobel Prize for their their idea so like he literally doesn't say anything about like (laughs) don't you guys think this is crazy (laughs) yeah yeah I don't know I'm definitely not gonna um talk any smack about Stephen Hawking oh no I'm not in any way talking smack about Stephen Hawking but it Um, is interesting like seeing like seeing his words like I'm I'm glad he he did give her you know he did give her credit he he did say it was her her prediction that she proved correct right so I thought yeah I think I think to me it makes sense you know in keeping with everything that we've learned between the first and this episode it makes sense that um, her name in that book would just be a sentence and that's it, you know? Yeah, yeah. But she was a pretty cool lady. Yeah, and and this stuff is so, oh my gosh, so over our heads. (laughs) I know. That's what's so cool about it. Um, And yeah, I wish, but this is, and this is what's cool about, like, we can learn from this kind of stuff too. Yeah. I already feel like I can be on Jeopardy. (laughs) (laughs) 
Owen and I, Owen and I, we watch Jeopardy every once in a while, and I feel super accomplished if I can get <laughs> ten questions right. <laughs> this category, uh, crystallography, and <laughs> I got it. I nail. I would. I would nail it now. I would nail it. And uh, the conservation and parody. I would. I know everything about them now. Conservation and parody for one thousand points, please. <laughs> Who really <laughs> created it? Who really disproved it? A, li- uh, a literal woman. Who who is a literal woman? Jian <laughs> Shang. You know one one more thing I wanted to 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 ask about, like okay. in in the story that we learn about with Rosalind Franklin, we kind of figure out how those guys found out about her research and kind of how they took credit for it and the fact that James Watson writes a book about it and all his opinions about her and her behaviors. But I didn't really get a good picture of how that went down with um, Xian Xiong Wu's two colleagues and them oh. getting credit for it. I wonder how that went yeah. down they were able to just get credit for that and what they said why she never came up, what they said to her when they took all of her research and experiment documents. I wonder how that went. Yeah, that's a, like, that's a thing I, I think that, and maybe this is something we can keep in the podcast actually. Um, Cause I do think it's interesting, like how, maybe sometimes how we even know that these women actually didn't do this. You know, like there, there was someone that, that wrote this article and, and they have the information that proves that she did it herself. Um, but yeah, we don't have any of that, like extra dialogue for some of these women. I wonder why. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. It's really interesting. All right. Thank you very much, Sarah, for, um, telling us all about Xian Cheng. That was very interesting and very educational very confusing at the same time. Maybe we should um, have a another podcast that goes more in depth about antimatter and particles like that. Very over my head, but I would love to learn further on it. I would love to do that. Yep. Yeah. I think that would be super cool. Once we have more followers too, I think we could even ask what people would like to see. Mm-hmm. But yes, with that, that is the end of our Dude Looks Like a Lady part two episode two of our literally actually with siren Haley podcast all right so before we go um and this podcast we do want to remind you about our podcast structure in the future for literally anyone that's interested uh the first two podcasts took on a certain theme with uh, a variety of different women from different backgrounds but we definitely want to go more in depth in the future and center in on one topic or one woman uh, we hopefully will feature guests and do interviews from women in STEM fields in the fu- future and show a variety of other experiences unlike our own. And of course, we don't want to just learn for ourselves doing this podcast. We also hope to uh, teach our listeners something as well with uh, lessons within our podcast. So I hope you will continue this journey with us. Yeah, thanks for listening, everyone. And you can find the resources and links to where we got our information for a deeper look 
Uh, it's sort of a citation page, and this link will be in the podcast description on the Anchor page, and it's a Google Docs page. So again, we thank you so much for being on this journey with us through our first and now second episode. Uh, we've had a good time learning and chatting with you and chatting with each other, and we hope you'll join us again. Yep. Bye. Goodbye. <laughs> <laughs> Disclaimer, Haley and Sarah do not literally actually hate men. They both are in relationships with actual men who they do like. However, they do believe that men have played a pivotal role in the lack of gender equality for women, and that men do play a pivotal role in achieving true gender equality for all.